because I knew that this thing didn't come from Star Wars dark vapor saying you're powerless old man it came from the evil one who's and you know what it was, I was glad it happened because I want to tell you something a lot of you today probably had things happen that try to keep you away from being here but you're here because you didn't let the devil win and tomorrow and Wednesday night he's going to try harder and that's the one time you can say this devil go to hell and that's what you need to be aware of he is angry because God's Love and mercy is being poured out here. And that destroys the devil. Tonight is so beautiful. Today is so beautiful. I don't know if you were aware of it. If you're not, it's understandable. But today is the feast of the Annunciation of our Blessed Mother. Today is the day that the angel came and asked Mary to be the mother of God. And she said, how can this be? And he said, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And she accepted willingly, lovingly, to be the mother of God. That happened on this planet and we commemorate it today, March 25th. This is so beautiful. Jesus, the blessed sacrament here, is here because of Mary saying yes. The word became flesh and he stayed among us. He's here. We're in the presence of the same God that she carried in her womb. I mean, this is so beautiful. And because of that, I needed to tell you something about the womb, being carried in the womb. They say that from the time we are in our mother's womb, that everything that takes transpires and immediately after our birth, that all of those things that go on have a profound effect on our lives, for good or bad. And, you know, I used to read that and think, well, that's just what psychologists say or doctors say or... And I didn't pay much attention to it, except for something that happened 18 years ago. 18 years ago, after my mother died, I was visiting her sister, my loving aunt, and I was watching the TV with such excitement because it was one of those programs talking about the lives of elephants. And my aunt came in the living room with a cup of tea and she said, what are you so interested and excited about? I said, oh, I said, all my life, I've, my favorite animal has been an elephant and they're talking all about the lives of elephants. And my aunt almost dropped her tea. She started laughing so hard. And she said, Ronnie, Ronnie, do you know why that is? And I looked at her up thinking, how the heck would she know why an elephant's my favorite animal? So I said, oh, why? She said, I was in the room with your mother when you were delivered. November 9th, 1934, if you want to send me a birthday card. And when the doctor held you up, he said to your mother, Wanda, 
it's a boy. And your mother said, I don't care if it's an elephant, just get it out. (laughs) That has to be why elephants became my favorite animal. Anyway, that's a beautiful story of something nice happening. But there were many things that happened in all of our lives that aren't so pleasant. When we think of people hurting because they were adopted, rejected, they were told they were unwanted, they were told that they were an accident, that causes deep hurt, deep pain. And that's what we're going to bring out of you. That's where we're going to go to the bottom of your ocean of pain and hurt and suffering and bring it all up and give it to Jesus and get rid of it. You're going to stop carrying this garbage around with you that you keep pushing back. To do that, I'm going to do it with the help of two paintings that really are the work of God. This, of course, was painted by Rembrandt. It's his vision of the return of the prodigal son. But who gave us the story? Jesus tells us the story of the prodigal son. This painting of divine mercy is done by the request of Sister Faustina. But who told her what he wanted painted? Jesus. Jesus commissioned this painting. Imagine. He commissioned it. And he said that we're going to be blessed by being in its, just by being in the presence of this image. Now what's the connection between this image and this story? Jesus, here present on the altar, came for two reasons, and they're both equal. He came to do the Father's will. That was the first reason. The Father, God the Father sent him. His only son. That was the second reason. To call us to repentance. So that we could be welcomed home to the Father's house. He even said, in my Father's house, there are many mansions. And I have prepared a place for you. Each and every one of us in this room has a place in heaven waiting for us. And this is something you have to know about your being conceived in the womb. No matter what the occasion was, no matter how it happened, God the Father, from all eternity, not from the day you were born. God the Father from all eternity had already in his mind conceived of your birth and your presence in this church today. God the Father knew from all eternity who would be born a boy, who would be born a girl, how many would be born. From all eternity he has death, he has predestined our birth. There is no such thing as somebody being born and it's a surprise to God. God already knew you would be created. But for what reason? For what reason did he create all of us? I learned it as a little boy in the Baltimore Catechism. I learned that God made me and made all of us to know him. 
to love him, to serve him, and to be happy with him in this world and in the next. Imagine, I learned that in first grade. And it's still true today. So what does that mean, God made me to know him? To know his love. To know how much he loves us. So why is it that people don't know and feel and experience the love of God? After he sent his son, allowed him to be crucified. After he gave us his precious blood and the blessed sacrament to be with us always. Why is it we still don't know the Father's love? It's not God the Father's fault. It's ours. And you know, I saw something for the first time that made me realize what's going on in our lives. I saw the levees. And I saw people talking about the water being very high. The levees were built to keep you away from flooding, right? Okay. And we pray to God. It works. But the problem is, you have built levees and dams in your hearts that keep the water of God's love flowing into you. You have been worshiping and loving God at a distance. God doesn't need people to adore Him. He's not looking for adoration. He's looking for people to love him. There's a big difference between standing and looking at a beautiful church and saying, Oh, isn't this beautiful? He doesn't need admirers. He needs lovers. showed you love you never felt his love how long would that marriage last and that's why people are falling away from the church that's why people come to church and they say I get nothing out of it because there's a dam a levy inside of them that they haven't let loose to let the love of God pour into them. So that's the work of our mission tonight. Tomorrow night, we're going to hear about the power of the cross and what to do with all those pains and sufferings of your mind that you don't know what to do with. That's for tomorrow night. And Wednesday night, we're going to be basking in the love of God the Father. After three days, you are going to be transformed if you are willing to do the homework. The homework is listening and doing what you hear. God is going to speak to each one of you individually through me. One person is going to hear something and another person is going to hear something else. I'll only have one direct line from God, but that's how the Holy Spirit works. You will hear what you need to hear. God will convict you. God will touch your heart. And you need to let him open it. Let's start with the story of the prodigal son. I'm 
going to paraphrase it. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, here's the younger one, this is the older brother. The younger one said to his father, divide the property between us. A few days later, he said, Father, let me have my share of the estate that will come to me. Translated, you know what he was saying to the father? I can't wait for you to drop dead, so give it to me now. Could you imagine if your kid said that to you? Give me my share for now. But you see, this is Jesus telling the story. And he's telling us that the Father loves us so much that he'll do anything for us. And so, the younger son then got his share and got everything together that he had and he went to a distant country. That's important to notice, a distant country. Because how many of us lived our lives thinking, oh, if only I had gone there, I'd be happier. If only I had married him, I'd be happier. If only I had married her, we'd be living somewhere else. We're always thinking that a distant place, another life, another situation, a lottery is going to make us happy. He went to a distant country and squandered his money on a life of debauchery. The Bible says prostitutes. Jesus said prostitutes. He didn't pull any punches. He described the rebellious young man perfectly. And many of us are part of that rebellious young man as we grow up. And some of us still have a hidden spirit of rebellion. When he had spent all his money in that country, at the same time it experienced a severe famine. People were starving. Now he began to feel the pinch. So he hired himself out to one of the local inhabitants who put him on his farm to feed the pigs. And he would willingly have filled himself with the husk the pigs were eating, but no one would let him have them. He reached the bottom. That's where he was at. But then something great happens. Something that needs to happen to all of you. He gained self-knowledge. Each and every one of you have to discover your authentic self. Pascal was a very famous French philosopher. Very great Catholic. And he said, every person has two sides. We have our true nature, the true person that God made us to be. And by the way, God made us to his own image, which means God made us someone beautiful and wonderful and great because he made us to his own image. That's in the Bible. It's not my making it up. But what do we do? We don't allow God's image to come out of us. Instead, what do we do? We put on masks. We put on masks. We show one side of the face to our brothers, another side to the people we work with, another side to our family, and we wear all these masks to hide our true self. And that 
keeps us from being the beautiful person. It also does something to us. It sometimes makes us very ugly. Because then we become the angry person. The person with depression. The person with suffering from anxiety and fear. How many suffer from fear? God did not make you that way. God did not put a gene in you that says you have to fear. He said many times in the Bible and in the New Testament, fear is useless. Those are exact words. Fear is useless. What is needed is trust. When this painting was finished, he told Faustina, because they were thinking of putting something different at the bottom. He said, no, I only want this put down. Jesus, I trust in you. Trust is what we need in Jesus. Not fear of the world. The world is helpless. It can't, it can't do anything to us. But it makes us anxious and worried. God's in charge, not the world. Not countries and politics and governments. God is in charge of your life. Not economics. Not the weather. God. And if we trust in Him, what does He say? He says, I will hold you up in my arms. I will guard you. I'll send my angels to protect you. He, I mean, I could quote you a thousand lines in the Bible. It, it, the problem is, you're not reading the word of God with your heart. Many of you go to Bible studies and you're studying the Bible intellectually. The Bible isn't a study book. It's a book to be lived with your heart. So, the prodigal son came to his senses, meaning he gained self-knowledge of who he truly was. Who was he? Who does he say I am? He says, came to my senses and said, how many of my father's hired men have all the food they want and more. And here I am dying of hunger. I will leave this place and go to my father. He gained self-knowledge and he recognized he was the son and this was his father. And I will go to my father. I will leave this pigsty and say, Father, I have sinned against you. That is the meaning of repentance. Having self-knowledge brings us to repentance. When we wear masks, have you ever heard the expression? People say, she don't even know who she is. Because she or he truly doesn't know who they are. Or else they hate who they are. How many people commit suicide because they hate who they are? They have no love for themselves. Did God stop loving them? No. No. They never let the, the levy down. And let the love of God come into them. They never read the words of scripture with their heart. They never were brought before the blessed sacrament. To know that Jesus is there. Saying come to me all you who labor and are burdened. And I will refresh you. Remember those words? So he has he finally gets repentance. Father, I've sinned against heaven 
against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. That's humility. Jesus loves the humble. Humility is acknowledging I'm wrong. How many times in households do you hear people say, Huh, you're never wrong, are you? If that's true, he lacks humility. If that's true, she lacks humility. All of us are wrong many, many times. Humility brings us to truth of the times we're wrong. And the people who say, I don't, I, I don't know, I go to, I don't know what to say when I go to confession. I tell them, ask your neighbors, ask the people, ask the people who don't like you. They'll tell you what to say. We don't have the courage to ask the other people what we should say. We bury the truth. So he said, Father, I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired men. Treat me as one of your hired men. He just wanted to be near the Father. He didn't care how he was treated. Not this Father. This Father. Did he treat him as a tired servant? Did he just say, okay, I'll give you a chance? Did he say, you can come home if you're going to obey my rules? If you remember you're living under my roof? No. That's, that's what we that's what we love and can't stand about God. Is that he's so merciful. We don't want to believe how loving, forgiving, and merciful he is. Even though he's told us the story himself. Because what does the Father do? The Father, first of all, waiting for him. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. We may be a long way off, but his father is standing there waiting for him. He sees you. you believe God is waiting for you? Some of you can, and some of you can't. But believe me, He is. And if you can't believe it, look at that crucifix. From that crucifix, He said, I thirst. But when they offered him water or whatever, he didn't want it. He was thirsting for you. Mother Teresa even tells us that. In every house of Mother Teresa's, there's a sign that says, I thirst. And every one of her sisters is before adoration for hours, praying for souls for whom he thirsts. He went after the lost sheep. This is why I'm wearing this stole tonight of the Good Shepherd. To remind everyone how how he's looking for you constantly. He never, never quits. So the father had his arms open waiting for his son. Every day he was out there looking for him. So he ran to the boy. Notice, the prodigal son didn't run to the father. The father 
ran to his son. And he said, quick to the servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Not a second-hand robe. For those who return to God, the best robe. Put a ring on his finger. A ring is a sign of royalty. Of And what does Jesus tell us? He tells us that he wants us to be in the kingdom. If we are in his kingdom, if we are his children, then we're princes and prince. We're royalty. The Bible tells us that. Even when we do mass, there's sometimes expressions that say we're all royalty, all belonging to the Father, God the Father's kingdom. Do you ever think of your nobility, of your royalty in God the Father? You look up to movie stars and people in power as authorities of what you should wear or what you should say. You sell yourself short. Your sons and daughters of a king. Look to him for your wisdom. Look for him, to him to decide what you should wear and how you should act. He'll give you the best advice. Because he's a loving father. He doesn't embarrass his children. And finally he says, bring sandals to his feet. Because he sees that he's barefeeted. And he says, kill the calf that we have been fattening. And we'll celebrate by having a feast. Because the son of mine was dead. Sin makes us dead. Dead to God. Mortal sin destroys us. It's worse than death. The son of mine was dead. But has come back to life. He was lost. And now is found. And they began to celebrate. I think Jesus is from Louisiana. Because he had to throw that party in there. He made it party time. God knows you people love parties. So, remember that story I told you yesterday that you all came to hear the ending? You're going to hear it from somebody. Who's this? Who's this? The elder son. Yay! Give that man of cake to take home. The elder son. Look at him, his hands folded. He's disgusted. Of course, none of us have the traits of the elder son. <laughs> oh, this is, this is the part we don't like to hear. <laughs> now the elder son was out in the fields. And on his way back, as he drew near the house, he wasn't even in the house, he was just coming near the house, he could hear music and dancing and dancing. I told you it was Louisiana. Calling one of the servants, he asked, What's that all about? That music, that dancing. Servant. The servant with excitement says, Your brother has come home. And your father's killed a fatty calf. And because he's so happy that we got him back safe and sound. What does Jesus say about the elder son? What words come out of the elder son? The elder son was angry. 
roots to go in. But that that stops the father from going out. The father came out and he began to urge him, to beg him to come in. This is how he answered his father. All these years, I have slaved for you. He called himself a slave. He was lacking self-knowledge. He wasn't a slave. He was the first son. The first son in the time of Christ would get six-tenths of the inheritance or eight-tenths, and the younger son would only get one. He was getting the most, the biggest portion. If it were about the inheritance, he didn't get cheated out of anything. All these years I've slaved for you. Never once disobeyed any of your orders. Yet you never offered me so much as a kid to celebrate with my friends. How many times in households there's animosity? People say, your father, you're the, you're the, you're my, you're the father's favorite. You're the mother's favorite. There's jealousy in the house. Because one is called the favorite of the other. And the father tries to plead with him. My son, he said, you are with me always. Do you realize God is speaking to you? You're here in this church and the blessed sacrament is present. And he's truly here in the blessed sacrament. And he say to you, I'm with you always. But yet, what happens to you? You get jealous of other people. You get resentful. You get bitter and angry. Because this one got more than you. One time in my parish... To tell you a true story again, as it happened in my parish. A family in the parish was at church every week. Children were servers. One of those, oh wow, aren't they a great family? They had a brother in law who would make the prodigal son look like a saint. This brother-in-law had married three different women, well, not married them, had children with them, and had caused the family so much pain, so much suffering. He stole from them, he, he insulted them, he embarrassed them, and all those kids he had that were related to this man in my parish were broken. destroyed by this man. And I happened to hear them talking and they said he was dying at Roswell Hospital of Cancer. Forty years old and dying of cancer. Then they said something. They said, there's a sign on the door, no priest allowed in. He was dying with anger because he had cancer and he was 40. No priest allowed in. Well, that's all I had to hear. I said... I went. To, I had a little chapel in the parish. I went to the chapel and I had this huge image of divine mercy. And I said, today, starting from today, I'm going to do mass every day for the return of this man's soul. And I'm calling your bluff. Jesus said, 
you do divine mercy chaplain, that person will return. So every day, I remembered him in Masses, and every day at 3 o'clock, I was praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet for his soul. After two weeks, I had to find out secretly what room he was in, because the nurse's station was told no priest, and it was not a Catholic hospital. So I found out what room he is. I went to the hospital, and I walked up and down the hall, pretending I knew where I was going, and I saw the room. And I stood up during the chaplet, and I waited, because I had gone there right before three. And at three o'clock, I ran to the room. Three o'clock, I opened the door to his room. No one was in the room. He was in his bed. And I said, do you know what time it is? He looked up. He saw me. I said, it's three o'clock. The hour that Jesus died on the cross for you. I'm here to forgive you all your sins. In five minutes, that man confessed all the sins of his life. A beautiful confession. The next day, he died. Now, did I know he was going to die the next day? No. But that moment that I finished his confession that I blessed him. I left that hospital on cloud nine. I I had so much joy, so much gratitude, so much faith and trust in what Jesus was doing and what he had promised. And the first thing I did is coming back to the parish, I drove on the street where this family lived and they were outside. And I stopped the car and I told him from out the window all the beautiful things that had occurred. When I said I heard his confession, forgave him all his sins, the husband began to curse. And I felt like he was cursing at me. And he said, in vulgar language, he should rot in hell. And his wife felt the same way because he had been married to her sister. And I went back to the rectory and I went into the chapel and I said, what have I done wrong as a priest? What haven't I preached that this family who I thought were the pillars of the church have that attitude of bitterness, resentment, and hatred? Where did I fail? Jesus said, no, you didn't fail. You just didn't recognize the prodigal son. They wore such a beautiful mask coming to church. Like the the older son said, I was very obedient. I went to church every Sunday. Oh yeah, I was at mass every Sunday. Never missed elder son to tell you the end of the story about the woman in case there is anybody here that wasn't here for the masses this woman came to me she wanted to be prayed over she was crippled she was going to the doctors three times a week she came to me and I couldn't pray over her why? Because God wouldn't let me. Then I said to her, I can't pray over you. Why? Because you don't speak to your brother. And that's why I got startled. I've never seen the woman in my life. I never knew she had a brother. So when she became angry and bitter and screamed, I hate my brother, the next thing I did is let out, it's just let her, let her let out all the feminine. It was like feminine coming from a, Uh, Louisiana copper uh, what do you call those copper snakes yeah she was like coming like a snake full of venom and I let her let out all the venom and then I took her to the crucifix it was a beautiful big crucifix not a small one like this one took her to the crucifix 
blood start? I said, listen to what Jesus said from the cross. Father, I forgive them. They know not what they do. I said, God the Father from that cross has forgiven you your sins. Have you been so perfect? Have you been so innocent all your life that you didn't receive any forgiveness from me? And she struggled with me and she said, I know, but I can't help it. I can't forgive Mike. I can't forgive Mike. She kept repeating that. And I said, let me, let's pray that God would help you to forgive him. And she agreed. Took me 20 minutes to just keep having her praying, begging God, help me to forgive, help me to forgive. And suddenly, the levee broke. The flood of God's love poured into her heart, and she says, I forgive him, I forgive him. Father, I forgive him, I forgive him. And this was what I did then. I said to her, you know, I want you to go home. Call your brother up and say, brother, I miss you, I love you. I said, now, he probably will get very upset and angry. I said, but don't let that bother you. All you have to do is say, brother, I miss you, I love you. I said, don't listen to anything that might upset you. Let him say whatever he wants, and then you hang up saying, brother, I miss you, I love you. That's all I told her to do. Well, a month, five weeks went by, and one day, a, a, a woman about the same age comes up to me, but she was very attractively dressed and walking very beautifully. There's nothing wrong with her. And she said to me, uh, Father, can I talk to you? And I looked at her, and, and she said, remember me? And I said, no, I don't think I ever met you. And she said, I'm the woman you told to go home, call my, my brother and say, brother, I miss you, I love you. And I looked at her, and she saw how dumbfounded I was. She said, I did what you told me to do. She said, that week, I began to feel okay. She said, I never went to the doctor, but I did go out with my brother for lunch. And after that, she said, I've just had everything, every pain taken away. She said, I do not need to see a doctor. And she looked beautiful because the love of God poured into her heart. That's the love that you block when you have resentment and bitterness and anger. And I'm, we're all God's children, right? So I'm giving you homework for tomorrow. Between tonight and tomorrow, I don't want you to write the names down. I want you to go over your whole life, right back to childhood, trying, begging the Holy Spirit to give you self-knowledge, knowledge of all the people who hurt you, who rejected you, who insulted you, who spoke ill of you, who hated you. Sometimes you don't even have to go out of your own family. Sometimes you're looking at the person in bed. Yes. Hate, bitterness, rejection, and all of that comes right within our family. And then it spreads to the outside world. And we stuff it inside and we hold it. We hold our anger, we hold our resentment, we hold our bitterness, and we come into church, and we put up our hands, and 
We say, our Father, forgive us our sins and forgive those who trespass against us. You never had their names on your lips when you said, forgive those who trespass against us. You never came into this church praying for them. You came praying for yourself. You didn't pray for the people who hurt you, who rejected you, who caused you embarrassment, who insulted you. Who do you identify with? That's your homework. To go home and write on a slip of paper just the initials. And then tomorrow we're going to have adoration starting at 6 o'clock. You don't have to be here at 6 o'clock. The talk won't start till 6.30. But at 6 o'clock we'll have adoration. And there'll be a basket here. You can just drop in the names of who you need to forgive Not the names, just the initials. And you'll just drop it and say, Here, Jesus, I need to square up with you. I need to level with you. I've been holding this resentment for years. I've been feeling the pain of the rejection that I had in grade school from the kids that mocked me out. I've been feeling it for years. Give it to Jesus. Tomorrow, you'll hear about the cross, the power of it, how it's going to transform your life, how it's going to lift you up, and how suffering will become joy. Can can you even imagine that something you suffer would cause you joy? You can't even imagine that, can you? But tomorrow you're going to find out how. And I'm going to use the Bible and the words of God to prove it to you. I I want to take the Blessed Sacrament and just walk down the aisle with you. And have you just plead with Jesus as I walk down the aisle that he give you self-knowledge so that The homework will be very easy for you to do. This will be your final blessing. I want you to ask Jesus to burst the dams that you've got in your heart to make it possible for you. Here's where I need my guardian angel. Make it possible for you to start letting the floodwaters of his love pour into your hearts. Ask him to melt your hearts, to open them up. I want you to see, not the the Eucharist, I want you to see Jesus with the crown of thorns. I want you to see Jesus with his body all scourged, I want you to see his mother holding his body, weeping for you, appearing in Fatima, Lourdes, Medjugorje, everywhere, saying, my children, my children, my son weeps for you. I weep for you. I want you to feel the blood dripping from the cross on your foreheads, on your hearts. See the blood dripping from the cross. We drink, sometimes we drink the communion cup. We drink the precious blood of Jesus. We drink it after we take the host. The precious blood of Jesus goes into our bodies and he has to stay in our bodies for at least 15 minutes they say that's how long the holy communion takes before it's dissolved 15 minutes what happens in those 15 minutes after you receive communion how many of us really have a one on one with him 
How many of us think, where are we going to go eat? What do we got to do today? What are we cooking? We're going to play. Who's, who's the football game today? We have so many things on our mind when we come to church and we miss the opportunity of having a one-on-one. We look beautiful going up to Holy Communion. But the graces of that communion are thrown out the window because we have other things in our mind instead of the body and the blood of Christ. Thank God the Father is so merciful and loving that he keeps pouring himself out to you. He keeps standing here with open arms. You run up, you take, take, amen, amen, body of Christ, amen. You run. This, those are your moments to touch God, to receive him, and to let him explode in your life. You wait 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes and you never go into the doctor after you've been waiting in his office and you never say to the doctor, who do you think you are keeping me waiting for 60 minutes? Because when there's something wrong with you, you'll wait in the emergency room for six hours if you have to. But for Jesus... Do we even wait till the Mass is over? Do we try to enter into the love that he's pouring out on us? There's so much to repent of. There's so much to bring out to the surface. And then when it's all out and the garbage is emptied, We're going to have a celebration of life. We're going to hear the music. We're going to go into the Father's house and start dancing and not complaining through life. But only you can make that happen. I can tell you the ways. I can show you the methods. But you have to do the work. To help you do the work, I belong to a community called the Love Crucified Community. I ordered 50 of these books on Amazon. They're the books from which all these things that I'm telling you, they contain. It talks about being the mother, simple path to union with God, and it comes about from a mother of the cross. What a mother of the cross is and a missionary to the cross, it's lay people like you who have committed themselves to loving God with their whole heart, their whole soul, and with all their sufferings. And believe me, it transforms them to loving people. They come in with their bitterness, their anger, but once they make that commitment, and it's not easy, it takes a year or two, and the only way we meet is through Skype or through go to communications or something, go to meetings. We, we have a meeting like that. We hear a talk. Love Crucified. You can see it on the, go on the internet. But there's 50 of these books available. At, I paid $23 almost. With the, I paid the tax. But I only want you to pay $20 if you take one of the books. If you don't get one of the books, you want to wait and order it later. Do that. I'm just saying, if you want the book, it's going to be there. And if if it's sold out, all you've got to do is go on Amazon and get it. God is moving here in a beautiful way that astounds me. Because I see it in your faces. I see your souls. I see your hearts. You're hungry. You're hungry for what you receive tonight. And now you have to digest it. And let's just end by giving thanks and praise to God for all that we receive tonight. Praise you, God, and we love you. Worship you, Lord, and we glorify you.
hours hearing confessions, and I'm going to leave the Blessed Sacrament exposed, everyone just walk out quietly as you desire. Stay one minute, two minutes, leave very quietly, just walk out. If you want to stay, go to confession. If you want to stay and just worship God and talk to Him, whatever. I'm just going to stay here. I'm not going to hear confessions because I'm hard of hearing. And I'd say, you did what? (laughs) So, I don't want to embarrass myself or you. (laughs) I love you. It's so much fun being here with you. And you know what? I looked up the records and I found out that all of Louisiana was holding up elephants. I was born pro-life. That's what I like to say about myself. I love elephants. I was born pro-life, like all of you are.